Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Yeah, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Philistines don't want to fight either. Or they would have, knowing how weak or frightened or afraid or whatever Israel was, they'd have ransacked them a long time ago. They would know that they knew that they, if they knew that they had to battle, they would have ran them over days and days ago, weeks ago. It's like two kids on the playground. You know, they, you know when they don't want to fight. They're sitting there going round and round and round and round. Yeah, yeah, you bad? No, I'm bad. You bad? No, and they're just, just going around. Nobody wants to fight. Nobody wants to fight. Philistines don't want to fight. Your enemy knows too. Your enemy knows. They might shout. They might stand on the mountain and look menacing. Your problem might look like it is just insurmountable or whatever. They don't want to fight with you. Not if you've got the Spirit of God in you, like you're supposed to have in you. See, Saul didn't. Saul was sitting there quaking, right? Saul was quaking for a reason. What happened last chapter? I think it was the last chapter. The Spirit of God did what? Departed and left Saul. Guess what happens to your courage, to my courage, when the Spirit of God leaves? Or the Spirit of God takes a step back in our lives? It doesn't fill us. We'd be shaking too. And we shake too. See, Saul only had that courage because he had the Spirit of God in him. No Spirit of God. No Holy Spirit living in you, residing in you, filling you. No courage. I know when I'm scared. I know when I'm paralyzed. I know when I do not want to engage and why I'm not engaging. It's because I'm not close enough. I'm not drawing closer to God. I'm not asking the Spirit to fill me every day, every hour, every minute. I need it. Because the enemy is there every day, every hour, every minute, taunting me and taunting you. And I need to be filled with His Spirit. No Spirit filling me. No courage. No courage. And courage doesn't mean that I have, that I'm, that I'm not fearful, that I'm not afraid. That's not courage. Courage is, like one coach said, courage is in the face of terror. You are frightened, you are afraid and terrorized, but you are not paralyzed. You move forward and you keep moving forward and you engage in the battle. You engage with, with the plan that's been laid out. That's courage. Not just not being afraid. We all are. We all experience that. But we have, but we have the Holy Spirit in us, given to us for that reason. Courage. He would tell Joshua, God would tell Joshua, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Your God, your God is with you. And so Saul didn't have it because the Holy Spirit had, just, had departed from him. You don't have it and I don't have it when we're not close enough and we're not drawing close enough. There's a Holy Spirit filled courage that every believer has access to, that every believer can have, should have, must have to be victorious in this life and in the battles that we face and that we're confronted with. And you will not, you cannot win without that. 
You need to be filled, like Pastor Chris said, with the Spirit. You need to be filled with His Spirit. You need to experience the filling of His Spirit. When you taste that and taste that, that Holy Spirit-filled power that He gives us, nothing of us, nothing in and of what we can do, but what the Holy Spirit does, you will be amazed at God using you, little old you and little old me, to do some amazing things, amazing things. So we've got this, this, this battle that neither one wants to fight. One, because the enemy knows who you are. The enemy doesn't want you to know who you are. See, that's the, that is the devil's greatest trick. He doesn't want you to know who you are. As long as you don't know, he's good. You are a child of the king. You are a soldier in the king's army. You are unbeatable. You cannot. My son, my, my son says, my son now, I think part of his mantra is, I cannot go. I cannot depart from this life one minute before God says, Okay, I am here and I am here and I am protected and I am safe until he says so. Therefore, I must do. I must continue to do what he's, he's called me to do. The enemy doesn't want you to know things like that. Doesn't want you to know the power that you have, the authority that you have. Remember the disciples coming back after Jesus sent them out? They were excited. Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We, we healed and we did all. They were excited about the power that lived in them, that resided in them, that resides in you and me. And the devil doesn't want us to know that because he knows. He knows. Just like the Philistine army standing on the other side. I defy you, I defy you, but they're not fighting. They're not coming to fight. Verse 11 is a sorry verse that Israel was terrified, that Saul was terrified. Verse 12, now David was the son of the um, Ephratite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among them. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle, or they had followed Saul into battle. They're a part of the army. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were um, Eliab, the firstborn, and the second to him, uh, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. Pause. That's interesting. Let's come back to how do I know someone's heart? I, knew Saul, I know Saul's heart. He's paralyzed. He can't do anything. He's ineffective. He's, 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 not, he's, not, he's not filled with the authority, with the power that God can fill him with. I can see that in his actions. Do you see David? David comes in and introduces David again. He's this young kid. And, and David, remember in the, in the last chapter, he was doing something for Saul. What was he doing? He was playing for Saul, right? Spirit left Saul. This spirit comes upon Saul and is driving Saul crazy. And David will be asked to come in. David is now... A person in, the, in, the, in the, uh, the palace of the king. 
he hangs, has audience with, or is around king folk. The king, little old David, has that kind of access. You would think, with that kind of access, you stick out his chest, you know, walk around with his nose up and all snooty and, and everything, and that's what he does. Verse 15 says, but he went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's flock at Bethlehem. The, back, the, word, the, 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 uh, the word back and forth has, uh, means um, it's not just one, a one-time thing. It's, this is what he was doing. He continued to do this. He'd, go, he'd be in the palace with Saul, with the king. Attended, had an audience with the king. And then he'd be back at home and, uh, with the king and back at home. David... David was going back and forth. Well, let's look at, um, what does that mean? He didn't, he didn't say, I'm in the king's palace now, Dad. I don't do this stuff. I don't tend sheep anymore. Out in the field, dirty, sweaty, and hot. I'm, I'm part of the king's court and palace. I'm next to the king. I'm so important. And he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. David does what he's supposed to do and fulfill that that um, um, what he's supposed to do at, at, in the, in the um, palace, but then he goes home. And he does what his daddy has told him to do. Ten sheep, David. What his heart is compelled to do. David is still tending sheep, even though he's now that kind of person in the palace of the king. I like that. I like that part of what it shows. I mean, the, the, the part of David's heart that that shows. David doesn't have that heart, that haughty, proud disposition or that heart. His heart is still that heart that God loves. Remember chapter 13? He was telling Samuel, you know, look, God is looking for someone who has a heart after his own heart. And God has already chosen that person. And we see David's heart. He could have gotten arrogant like that. David has already been anointed to be the next king. Over Israel. You're talking about pride and arrogance. But David's heart is shown here and demonstrated. He's going back to tend the flock, to get all sweaty and hot and dirty and, 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 and everything, tending the flock. Let's see his heart some more. The Philistine came forward night and day, like we said, verse 17. Then, uh, then Jesse said to David his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these ten loaves. Um, um, ten loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also, verse 18, bring also these ten cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousands and look into the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of, uh, news of them. Um, verse 19, um, for, Saul, for Saul, for Saul and they and all the men of Israel are in the valley of Elah Fighting with the Philistines. Verse 20. So David arose early in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. Pause. You see what David did? Let's see if we dig. Did you see that gold nugget in that verse? David did not get up and just run and leave his sheep. What did it say? Did you see that? He didn't leave the sheep. David is a shepherd. And he has that shepherd's heart. My father said, I've got to go on this errand and this run. But I have a responsibility that I've been given also right here to tend these sheep. David does not leave the sheep unattended. 
it says David um, um, left them to um, the care of a keeper, another shepherd. What a heart. David is an important person. But David's heart is, I've been given some duties and responsibilities, and I need to see to it. Some of us, some of us need to, to, to learn from that. There are some people who take a look, um, I mean, take, a, their, take a, a look at the place where they are, where God has put them, where, where God has asked them to be. And they want to be somewhere else. And they're not tending what they need to tend here. Because their mind is somewhere else, wanting to be somewhere else, doing something else or whatever. And they don't tend what God has given them to tend here. I like that word Kindergarten. Someone told me that the word kindergarten means to tend the garden. That's what we do with our little ones, right? Tend the garden. A lot of us tend to give that duty and that responsibility to someone else. I'm not here to make anybody feel bad. Say amen or say ouch. Say something. <laughs> no, uh, but, <laughs> but, but some of us, God has given us to tend some, some duties and responsibilities. And no matter where we go, no matter what else we have to do or need to do, tend your sheep. Tend what God has left for you. Have that heart. Lord, you gave me this responsibility. Help me to carry that out to the best of my abilities, the best that I can do. I see David's heart already. He's worried about the sheep. And he's worried about that responsibility and that duty. So David comes to the camp. He comes to the camp... um, now, while they're, um, sorry, verse 20, and he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle, um, army against army. Verse 22, then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and uh, entered in order to greet his brothers. And he was talking with them. Behold, uh, as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath was coming up from the army of the Philistines. And he spoke these same words and David heard them. When all the men of Israel saw the man, they ran and they fled. And can you see this army? They'd gone up there with the war cry. And now Goliath comes out (coughs) and they scatter like little ants. They scatter like kids. And David sees this and David's confused. Wait a minute. They scattered. They fled from him. And they were terrified. Verse 24. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it'll be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That word free meant, um, that idea has to do with not pay taxes ever. Ever again, free from that duty. Um, That's the idea in that verse. And so David comes at a time when the armies are coming up, uh, yelling at each other. And then Goliath comes out and the Israeli army scatters. And David um, then spoke in 26. I'm sorry. He hears the the other men speaking and saying, whew. This, this, this giant from, uh, from, from the other camp, he's coming to defy Israel. And notice what he says in 25. And it will be that the king will enrich. I heard one pastor preaching this, and I, I absolutely loved the way he preached it. He said, can you imagine the king, Saul? Saul, who was supposed to be out there. Saul was supposed to be 
um, uh, there fighting. Right? What did, what did Goliath say to Israel? Send somebody. I'm the champion over here of the Philistine army. Send someone from your camp. We'll fight. We'll duke it out. The winner takes all. Well, Goliath was described as this huge guy. Well, who's the huge guy on Israel's side? Who was head and shoulders above everybody? Saul. Saul was the big man for Israel. And he's cowering over here. He was the logical choice to come in and fight. But now Saul, Saul is saying, no, 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 I'm not going to go. And, and Saul would ask, I will give. Saul is asked, or Saul is uh, um, uh, put up a reward. He will enrich the men greatly. I will give a load of money to the person who kills the Philistine. Nobody, no, not me. Uh-uh. I'm not going. You see Saul standing up and going, okay, okay, I'll give you a load of money and I'll give you my daughter to marry. No, no, no. And the man, think about it for a second. No, I, I, you will be a part of the, the king's family and, and dwell here in the palace and, and you, you, you riches and part of the king's, the king's palace, whatever. No, not but if I'm dead, uh, that doesn't help me at all. I can see Saul coming back and going, okay, okay, okay. I'll give you great riches. I'll give you my daughter and you'll never have to pay taxes again. See the people thinking for a split second. No, no. Nobody will go. No one will go. But can you see how cowardly Saul is? Somebody go. I'll give you money if you go. Saul was supposed to go. I'll give you money and my daughter. Somebody go. No. I'll give you my money, daughter, and no taxes. And nobody's going. They all are cowering. And so they just repeat what, what Saul had already said. Verse 26. Then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? So I can almost see David standing there going, what? What has been offered for someone to kill this Philistine who does what? Oh, it kills this Philistine, verse 26, and takes away the, re- the reproach of Israel. This repro- he called him a reproach to Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt who? The armies of Israel? Mm-mm. There's David's heart again. There's David's heart again. David doesn't see this as an attack against him. David doesn't see this Philistine as an attack against Israel. This uncircumcised Philistine is, is defying the armies of the living God. That's David's heart. David is like, who is this guy? David's not thinking about the money. David is not going to go fight Goliath for the money. He's not going to fight Goliath for, the, uh, for Saul's daughter. He's not going to fight Goliath for his family to be tax-free. David is concerned about God's name being defied and being defamed by this uncircumcised Philistine. We see David's heart again just in saying he's taunting not the armies of Israel. No, no, no. He's taunting God. The armies of the living God. And David doesn't appreciate that. That's his, his heart again. So how do we see someone's heart? How do I know someone's heart? It's, it comes out. Pastor Michael said it on Sunday. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what? It's what comes out of him. Out of David comes rivers of living waters. David is, David is just bursting with the spirit that's in him. 
David's heart is demonstrated in what comes out. He is looking at the defense. He's looking at as this Philistine, not in size and shape and stature or whatever. He just sees this thing, this monster over here that's defying God. And that to David is just not acceptable. The people answered in verse 27. The people answered him in accord with this word saying, yet thus it will be done. It'll be what we just said. It'll be done for the man who kills him. All of a sudden, excuse me, verse 28. Now uh, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart. For you have come down in order to see the battle. What? Where did that come from? Where, Where? How could he possibly... Be that angry or that bitter. What would make him that mad? Just yell at David like that. I know your heart. Does he know David's heart? I know what you're here for. David's, uh, his oldest brother, um, his anger burned against him. I think, I think, and this is just Mel thinking now, I think his brother is sitting there. Part of that cowering, cowering crowd. And little brother sees him. Little brother sees him cowering, scattered like everybody else. Little brother just saw his big brother. His big brother, and there's eight of them, right? There's eight brothers in Jesse's clan. David's the youngest. Big brother is really big brother to David. And David sees big brother cowering like that. And I think big brother's a little ashamed. I think big brother's sitting there a little upset and angry. And he turns that on David for what David is doing, for, I mean, for, for David seeing him that. And he asks him, remember, he says, and who did you leave those, those sheep with in the wilderness? Like, go back and do your job, David. Do your job. See, I think that comes out of a heart that's not doing his job. See, I think that's why he's angry and bitter. That guilty conscience, older brother, I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm here, supposed to be here fighting. David has come to bring me supplies while I'm fighting for God, fighting for Israel. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And he wants to come by or whatever, and he sees that, and then he just lashes out at David. And you're not doing your job, David. David did do his job. David was doing his job. Even when David wasn't there, David was doing his job. He left those sheep in good care. He left that responsibility there. He was. I think his older brother, uh, I mean, that just came from deep down inside, and that shows his heart. How do I know your heart? Or how is your heart made visible to people? I see David's older brother's heart. I think he's guilty. I think he's angry and he's bitter and he's mad. Have you ever had somebody just lash out at you like that? And you're thinking, what? Where did that come from? What, what did I say? What did I do? And it's good to examine yourself. If I've said something or did something wrong to offend you, you know, forgive me, but there are times where I have to scratch my hairless head <laughs> and say, where did that come from? What did I do? Sometimes, sometimes it is resentment coming from them not doing what they ought to do, seeing you do what you're doing, or seeing you, seeing them not doing what they're supposed to do. That's embarrassing. 
And that anger can come out that way. And I think that's what we see here in, in, in verse 28. So David asks, David answers him right back. What have I done? What have I done to you? David, just as strong. I can see David come back. What have I done? Was it not just a question? I just asked a question, big bro. I just asked a question. You know, and you're just lashing out, lashing out at me like that? Now, you don't negotiate with a giant. You've got to slay him. And David did that. He hit him, of course, with one of those stones in the forehead. Down went the giant. And then David cut his head off with Goliath's own sword. See, this is what we need to do with our, the giants in our lives. No negotiation. We just need to take them on. We need to say, Lord, that needs to die in my life. I'm not talking about literal giants. I'm not take, talking about taking down people with a sword. I'm talking about the giants, metaphorically speaking, in our lives that we all know what they are. It could be a habitual sin pattern in your life. It could be an area of weakness in your life. It could be something that frightens you and scares you and keeps you off the battlefield, as it were. And it's time for that giant to go down. And by God's power, it can and it will. And that's what 1 Samuel 17 is all about. It's all about the giants going down in our lives, slaying the giants in our lives. And we do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith, turning away from our sin, which is repentance. It literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek, which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now, when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross and his resurrection and, and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program. And we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona, or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.